In the summer of 1985, my mother, sister, father, and myself moved into a rural farmhouse in central Kentucky. The house was not in the greatest of shape, but it did the job. Even though my father had served his country for 22 years, he never took the time to attend college or even a vocational course. So, when he left the service, his options were few when it came to employment. He found a job fixing copy machines in the small city of Elizabethtown, and my mother found work at a clothing store. Needless to say, both my sister and I, who was five years older than me, were latchkey kids. It wasn't out of the norm in the 80s. We were renting that house at the time and our landlord was an old, crotchety man. He did little to nothing to help keep the house up, but given the low rent and the fact that we were just below the poverty line, it was acceptable. There was nothing extraordinary about this home. The basement, the middle floor, and the attic that had been converted to a master bedroom. As any 11-year-old, the basement was not my favorite. Always dark and always spooky. The washer and dryer were there, along with our large freezer. It was segmented by partial cement block walls, as if someone wanted to do something with it but never really got around to it. The house also had no air conditioning and a furnace that worked some of the time. We couldn't afford anything more than fans in the summertime and space heaters in the winter. The house had been rented and left over and over again prior to us moving in, and after that first year, it became clear as to why. My experiences started on a Friday afternoon. Both my mother and father were working. My sister was at school. As for me, I was at home trying to recover from a flu that no one else in my school seemed to have. At the time, I got sick quite a lot. Many nights I would have chills and a fever, but by the next day, I'd be alright. My mother took me to the doctor repeatedly, but they could never really pinpoint what the problem was. The windows were open and the two box fans were going that hot July day. I was laying on the couch, watching one of our three channels that we could pick up with our roof-mounted Radio Shack antenna. As I lay watching some old shows, static began to overtake the television screen. Not bad at first, but then basically made it impossible to watch whatever horrible show was on at the time. I got up, irked that I had to move. As the static became unbearable, both visually and to my ears, I made my way over to the large oak cabinet that contained the behemoth set. That was the day, the moment when I realized that this house would change me, and I would never be the same. I began messing with the wires on the back of the set, checking connections and becoming worried that this snafu would prevent me from watching my afternoon cartoons, and in 1985, G.I. Joe was not just entertainment, but it was a way of life for me. The TV was a kit set, by that I mean it came in pieces and my father literally put it together and installed it into the oak cabinet that took up way too much floor space. As I proceeded with my examination, I moved to the front of the TV 
pulling out the control panel and tried to make any adjustment that might bring it back to life. I leaned over and turned the set off. I was just now staring at it, pondering my next move. As I looked at the blank, dark screen, all I could see was the reflection of the living room behind me. The light from the curtainless windows made my surroundings in the tube all that much more clearer. Everything appeared normal behind me at first, as my main focus was on my need to watch my upcoming cartoons, but right at that moment, I noticed something out of place in that reflection. A man was sitting at the very couch that I had just left. The fear shot through me like a bolt of electricity. I spun my head around so fast as humanly possible to see. There was nothing there. I stood up just as fast and scanned the room. My heart was racing. How did someone get in here without me hearing or seeing them? I cautiously made my way through the house, checking first my sister's room and then mine. I slowly walked through the kitchen as it was the gateway to the rest of the home, including the basement. I skipped that door, going instead to the one that led up to my parents' room. I quietly moved up the stairs, trying to take in as much as I could. But still, I found nothing and no evidence that anyone was there. I finally made my way back to the kitchen and the basement door. I opened it with just enough space to flick on the light. Once they came on, I pushed the door open and peered down the stairs. That was enough for me. As I came back into the living room, I looked around and saw no more than the couch, chairs, and that huge TV. Sitting back on the couch, I started to the best of my 11-year-old brain could reason to think about what exactly I had just seen. He looked to be in his late 40s in a black suit, black hair, long face, and he was not looking at me, just looking forward with a blank stare. I tried to compose and reason with myself. I was a giant horror movie geek, and I had just watched Poltergeist for the 50th time that past weekend. It was a trick of light and shadow and my imagination, I figured. It did not make sense that anyone could come into the house for one, but also, why would they just sit down, get up, and leave? The ghost was out of the question as nothing had happened in the first few months that we had lived there, and besides, that was fiction. And so my final thought was, I'm simply not seeing what I thought I saw. Once I had come to that conclusion... I was able to steady myself and refocus to what really mattered. My cartoons. I walked over and pushed the power button back on the TV. And lo and behold, we had picture and sound. And just then, the phone rang. Now, I'd hate to admit it, but I did jump just a little. It was my sister telling me that she was going to be at a friend's house after school and to let mom know. I said okay and hung up the phone, not willing or wanting to know if my sister had anything else to say. After all, she was my sister and 
sibling rivalry was in full effect. Leaning back on the couch, feeling that I had just accomplished something great by returning to my programs, I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. It was my bedroom door, and it was slowly opening. Was it the wind? Did I check that room for the non-existent intruder? Getting up, I made my way over, only to jump back when the door suddenly jutted open, as if someone on the other side had grabbed the handle and decided to make a quick and forceful entrance into the living room. I took two or three quick steps back. I could see directly into my bedroom, and once again, there was nothing there. The calmness that I had obtained from my prior investigations had suddenly vanished. My heart rate was up, and although I knew I was sick, my sinuses had become fairly clear from that rush of adrenaline. Hello? I half-heartedly spouted. No noise. Nothing came from anywhere. Ugh, of course it didn't. Nothing was there. Stepping further back, I was amazed at myself and the level of fear that had taken control of me. I took a deep breath, attempting to readjust my brain to find a rational explanation to the non-robber-slash-ghost, and to a door that up to a few seconds prior had never done that before. I decided that stepping outside was a good idea. I spent about ten minutes playing with my dog and just looking around. The inside of the living room could be seen through the screen door, but I decided that I would take one good look around. Laughing to myself, it dawned on me that there couldn't be anything in that house because my dog would have barked and freaked out. She barked at everything from cars to a leaf that might have moved past her in an odd way. Needless to say, she was alert to the point of being irritating. After walking around the outside of the place and coming to my senses, I made my way back in. I went directly to the kitchen, grabbed a Coke and a small bag of chips, and I sat myself back down in front of the idiot box. And then came the moment where I could no longer explain anything. Above me, from my parents' room, I heard distinct footsteps. Loud footsteps moving from one end of the room to the other. And back and forth they went. I stared at the ceiling, hoping it would stop, but it didn't. Instead, they moved closer to the stairs. I moved to the doorway of the kitchen and listened as they proceeded to stomp down the steps. I was frozen, waiting and watching, and then... Nothing... Screaming as the attic door flew open was my next plan of attack. Not a great way of defending oneself, mind you, but that was the best I could come up with at that moment. I began to ponder whether or not I should call my mom at her place of work. However, I couldn't imagine what would take place if I told her to please drive 20 miles back to the house because her son had basically lost his mind. Also, if she had... She would have told my dad, and that for me was a non-starter. He was not one who liked to be bothered with. Well, bothered with just about anything. And so my options were shrinking as my level of fear was rising. 
moving quickly back to the living room but with my eyes still focused on the attic door. I didn't know what to do. Making my way back to the couch, but this time, paying no mind to whatever was playing on the TV. I asked out loud, Who are you? Then I received no response. I realized I was basically whispering, and I tried again, this time with more focus on my voice. Who are you? When I got nothing back, the thought that my 11-year-old mind had come up with was simple. I was crazy, and there was no stopping it now. Staring at the screen door directly in front of me, I began to wonder if this was all real, if it was happening. Perhaps I'm not going crazy, perhaps there is something here, and if that was the case, I didn't want to be around. I grabbed the phone and called my best friend. He had gotten home, having completed his day at school. It was Friday and I told him that I was feeling better and I should stay the night at his house. Hell, the entire weekend sounded pretty good. He asked his mom and she said yes. He then told me that he and his dad would pick me up in about an hour. Unfortunately, that hour would be too long of a wait. I went to my room, packed some things, grabbed some Nintendo games, and wrote my mom a note telling her that I was at my friend Jimmy's house for the weekend. The explanation sounded pretty mature for the time. I even told her to have a good weekend and to contact me if she needed anything. There was no doubt in my mind that I was not waiting around for another two hours before she got off of work. Not to mention the 30 minutes it took for her to drive home. Hell no. No thanks. Rocking myself back and forth looking for my friend's father's car to pull up our overly long driveway, I was growing more and more anxious. But I knew my trauma, real or imagined, was coming to an end. Sitting there even with the TV on, I noticed that everything had become eerily quiet. Box fans were on full blast, and the commercial on the TV was very loud, but nothing seemed right. The air felt still. Everything outside of the main noises of the electrical equipment was oddly quiet. It was almost bizarre. I turned both fans off and then the television, and suddenly... I was overcome with all the hairs on my body rising as if a low electrical current was going through me. Then it happened. I heard the one thing, the one thing that I absolutely, positively did not want to hear. My name, Jonathan. It was a slow whisper, but loud enough to clearly make out whatever it was saying. My breathing became so heavy and my heart was beating so fast that it was almost impossible for me to hear anything other than those two things. And yet, there it was again, Jonathan, louder than before. I was in shock. I grabbed my belongings that I was planning on taking with me and I ran. I ran all the way down the driveway, leaving the doors wide open. I stayed there for 35 minutes before my friend showed up with his dad. 
When they got there, I requested that they go down the driveway so I might check the doors to make sure I locked them. His father did so without a complaint. After the weekend passed and I returned home after school on the following Monday, instead of having a peaceful existence, whatever the thing was, it systematically began to haunt every member of my immediate family. My mother kept having things moved around or going missing. My sister would hear whispers in her pillow and began to spend more and more time with her friends basically moving in with one of her friends and my father, well, he would often see someone out of the corner of his eye. He would say he saw someone in the property. And one night, in the basement while he was working on something, that incident was the start of our move away from that house and Kentucky. Although he would never specifically say what had happened, when it did, he began to plan our move. As for me, it called to me. I had horrible and disturbing nightmares, always taking place in the basement, and shadows would appear on the wall from time to time. Many years have passed since we lived there. That house has been remodeled from what I understand, and many people have come and went. No matter where I have lived, I'll never forget what happened there, and that incident is why I became a paranormal researcher. Even after all this time, when it's a hot summer day and I'm alone, I often put earbuds in and listen to music, if for no other reason to make sure I never hear my name being called from the shadows again. So I decided to narrate this story because I've actually had a similar experience in my previous residence. When I was living with my parents, every night at 3.23, I would hear my name being whispered into my ear. It was just truly bizarre. It would wake me up from a deep sleep. The rest of the house and the rest of the family was asleep and quiet. And it wasn't just the whispers in the ear that would happen every night at 3.23. Just strange things like my lights turning on, or the TV turning on, or everything in the room going dead. And at the time, I would just chalk it up to, you know, electrical interference or, you know, bad, bad electric wiring. But it never really explained who or what was whispering in my ear. Now, that was many years ago, and I have moved since then, and I'm pretty sure the house I'm in right now isn't haunted, and I've never had those experiences since then. So, if you've had a similar experience, let me hear it in the comments below. <laughs> 